0: Amen. Well, good morning. I am not Pastor Jonathan. Sorry, uh, Pastor Jonathan is on vacation this week, which is awesome. Uh, pastors definitely need to get away for vacation and get a chance to reset, um, and so he's doing that this week. And so I'm glad to be here. My name is Ben. I've um, been at this church for around eight years or so. I lead a, a Bible Connect group, and I work with college students here in Jacksonville. And so, if you don't know me, that's a little bit about me, but uh, just glad to be here this morning and be able to talk to you a little bit uh, about the Lord. And so uh, we have been in a series these last couple of weeks called Actually, and Pastor Jonathan has been sharing with us different common sayings that we hear in our culture, uh, and they sometimes seem nice, they sometimes seem true, um, but they don't hold up biblically. And one thing that I would always tell you to do, uh, even if that saying that you hear seems nice, if it don't hold up biblically, you should not believe it. You should refute it because the Bible gives us the truth. And so we've been talking uh, about this actually. What, what does the Bible say actually? So the last couple of weeks, the first week was follow your heart. So we hear that a lot in music and in movies. And the Bible says your heart is sick and wicked above all else. Do not follow it. And so that's one thing that we see. And then last week, Jonathan talked about the idea that we have that if you're a good person, that you can go to heaven. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, when they think about standing before God on judgment day, they think of this scale and they do more good than bad. And the Bible says that we're all broken, that we're all sinners and that we deserve a punishment for that sin. But Jesus died in our place, as Brandon was talking about earlier. And when we put our faith in Christ, that's how we, uh, go to heaven and spend time with the Lord. So, um, today we're going to be talking about time. Uh, my question to you is, have you ever felt that you don't have enough time? Maybe you felt like you don't know, have enough time at work, not enough time at work, time to make it to a family function, or at least that's what you've been telling people. Uh, maybe it's travel, maybe it's a vacation. Um, I think time is something we always feel we don't have enough of. Uh, I feel like Pastor Jonathan, he just gave me two hours to preach this sermon. And I felt that, that's, that's not cool, man. You know what I mean? Uh, I could go on for a while. Uh, but the list of things to do never usually equals the time we have. We're always wanting more time. Time is something that is a continual depleting resource. It ticks down and never can be gained again. If you think about it, we're all in a line waiting for time to run out in this life. Some of us, time will be shorter than others and some will be longer. But the fact is, time will run out for us all. You might think, thanks Ben, we're so glad you're here, you're encouraging. So glad the Undertaker's going to be bringing the message this morning. Uh, but in all seriousness, today we're going to be talking about Um, a saying that's become popular over the last uh, 10 years or so. And this saying, this term is called YOLO. Uh, Some of you thought I just spoke a different language. Um, I didn't. Uh, YOLO is an acronym acronym, uh, which stands for you only live once. Meaning that life goes by so fast, you might as well enjoy everything and do it now. Spend everything now. Because you only live once. This seems to go along with the theme of time slipping away. If time is going away, if I only am young once, I need to maximize my time now. I remember thinking that when I was young. Fell into that trap of temptations, the enemy says to us. He says, hey, you're only young once, live it up now. There was a great theologian who spoke on this. His name was Ferris Bueller. And he said... Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You can miss it. So, what does YOLO practically mean and what is Ferris telling us to do? How do we see this lived in our lived in our world? How do we see you only live once, lived out in our world? We see it with how we spend our money. No time to save, gotta have the best now. Remember, you only live once. I gotta have as much fun as possible now. I've got to, when it comes to my sexuality, I, I, can't, I can't suppress any urges. I've got to fully experience it because you only live once. I've got to spend time making the most money I can now so I can spend as much money as I can. You only live once. I've got to use my influence, my power, and my money to provide the most beneficial life I can have because you only live once. Now, most of us aren't going to say it that way, but we think it, right? We think it. And we might be tempted to think this way. So here's the question. What does the Bible actually say? What does the Bible actually say? The Bible actually says you're going to live forever. You're going to live forever. So I'm going to give you three points, three ways that we can combat this idea of you only live once. So if you're a note taker, here you go. The number one is we're made for eternity Two, we live for eternity. And three, heaven is the goal. So what does the Bible say to you about you only live once? It says you're made for eternity. A lot of people deny eternity is a real thing. One of the reasons is it allows them to give up worrying about the future, live it up now. In an interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was asked, what happens when we die? His response, nothing. Nothing. You're six feet under. Anyone that tells you something else is a liar. Is the Terminator right? Are we all just going to go on the ground and die? The Bible has a different word than that. It says, you live forever. We know this in our heart because we are made with eternity ingrained in us. Being made in God's image who is eternal, we are made for eternal life. Listen to Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he said, He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So here's the deal. Here's the question that I want you to think on. If eternity is real, how does that change how I should live now? It should make me pause and give a thought about eternity. So um, I used to be a youth pastor before, and, um, and, and I would take kids to camp like Brandon did. And so Brandon and Michelle, and Michelle and them uh, are about to leave tomorrow, and I'm sending my two girls off for the first time to camp. It's like this, like sad, but kind of happy thought. Anyways, that y'all didn't ask for that. Um, but anyways, uh, so I have this hate-love relationship when I would take students to camps. And I'm sure Brandon is going to be able to kind of feel this a little bit. You love what God does at camp. I mean, look at what God did. He saved two people. And you see, you know, change and, and life growth. And, and you get to bond with the students. But there are some things that I didn't like about camp. Let's talk about those. So some of those was lack of sleep. Not being able to sleep. Another one is eating nursing home food, right? Or a portion of it like I'm a four-year-old, that can only have uh, two chicken nuggets. Uh, the smells. I mean, these smells, guys. That's a spiritual experience in itself. I mean, wow, the smells. Another one is you often see is students' lack of money management. Students all the time, they get 20 to $50 from their parents. And the first stop on the bus, what do they do? You look back and they stopped, and you see a candy factory back there. You've got three energy drinks. You've got four candy bars. You've got chips and you've got tons of snacks. These kids must have thought, guys, this is the last stop of our life. (laughs) We have got to live it up. YOLO time, baby. Let's go. And uh, it never fails, though. They spend all their money there. And then at the end, on the way back to the church, you're going to stop for lunch. And here comes little Timmy up to you. Mr. Ben. Yeah, what's going on? I don't have any money for lunch. Oh, so sorry, Timmy, right? And of course, you budget for that because that's what happens at camp and students forget. But never forget, uh, it was always a thing that they would spend all their money up front and they wouldn't have enough for the back. The point of the story is students put all their enjoyment and all their things with their money in the front end of camp, but they fail to see that there was going to be a back end of it. But we do this a lot in life when we think about this world. We think about our temporary feelings, the good times, the sins that we want to enjoy. And we say, hey, we're just going to dive all in. We're going to to live it up. We're going to do YOLO. We're going to go, you only live once. But we fail to see the eternal consequences of that action. And not only that, maybe you, I don't know if you can relate, I can relate... The younger choices that we thought because we were young, we still deal with later in the brokenness and consequences of that. So what does Jesus say about this idea of YOLO? What does Jesus think about you only live once? Mark eight thirty-four through 38 says this. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself... And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you're a good God, Lord, and that you give us your word to instruct us how to live and how to think about eternity and life. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in us. I pray for those that need encouragement, that you would encourage them. I pray that those that need conviction, you would convict them. Lord, I pray that you would speak out of me, Lord, that you would be glorified. It wouldn't be about me, but it would be about you. And we thank you for the cross and your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus says, hey, listen, here's the deal. You can gain the whole world. You can be a billionaire. You can have the best spouse. This is a good thing. You can have a good family. You can have a boat. You can have a truck, car, power, influence, fame. You can have an awesome body. But if you put all your life into that, these things and not follow Christ, not live for him, not accept the gospel, you will forfeit your eternity. This is a warning for us. He's saying your YOLO that you think is so good will sadly be the worst motto you ever adopted because that's going to be the cry of hell. Specifically, Jesus is talking to those that reject the gospel, reject Him as Lord and Savior, those that don't bend their knee to Him in repentance and faith on the gospel. And they, and they turn from Jesus. But this also can be applied to us as Believers. We as Christians can also waste our time on earth. We live for eternity. The second point is we live for eternity. Jesus gives us a description of what it looks like to live for eternity. He says, deny yourself and love Jesus openly. Think about what Jesus is saying. He's saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take up a torture tool, the cross, that the Romans used to make a spectacle of criminals by undressing them, hanging them on a cross, nude, with nails in their hands and their feet, suffering in front of all who come to see. Take up this cross, take up this tool, daily, and follow me. So what is Jesus saying? This is obviously an analogy for us as Christians. Jesus is telling us, inside of you is sinful flesh. Inside of you is your way. You want to be God. You want to call the shots. You want to choose the pleasure of life over all things. You want it your way. You want it in your time, and you want it done without any hardship. But also, inside of the believer is the Spirit of God that wants you to be selfless and think about others. Philippians 2 3 through 4 says this Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You see, as Christ followers, we're called to be selfless. We're called to walk in the Spirit. But how do we do that? Philippians 2, 5-8 gives us the motivation to do that. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form. He humbled himself. By becoming obedient. To the point of death. Even death on a cross. So how do we live. Selfless life and not a selfish life. Another way to say it's How do we walk in the spirit. And not gratify the flesh. How do we pick up a cross and torture tool daily. Is it that we pull it up by the bootstraps. We just say Hey. We're going we're gonna to start doing the best we can. It's like starting that new exercise program in January. Right? What could possibly give us such motivation that would influence us to do hard things? To pick up this torture tool. Put off temporary pleasure. Look to future reward. What can make us go against culture? Embrace suffering. What could it be? What could it be? One word is God. It's Love. That's two words, sorry. One word is love. More specifically, the love of God. Listen, this doesn't surprise the Bible. This doesn't surprise the Bible because we're made for that. You are made for the love of God. Colossians 1, 16 says it this way. For by Him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Listen to this. All things were created through Him... And for him. As Colossians says in verse... As it says in verse 16... All things were created through him and for him. Jesus is saying... When you look for the things of this world to satisfy you... You will always be disappointed. They will always let you down. Because they weren't created... Or designed... To satisfy... Your eternal craving that you have. Now they might fill you up for a moment. Let's not lie. Sin can be fun... But you always have to keep looking for something else to the world to be satisfied. But when you start to understand the love of Jesus has for you, it's going to start to change your life. It's going to start changing your attitudes and your motives. Jesus' love is the only thing that can start to fulfill your desires that you're really looking for in this world. You see, Jesus is the ultimate satisfaction we need in this life. Because if we're honest and we're having an honest conversation, what we're looking for is someone to see us, the real us, not the fake us, not the mask us, not the church, Sunday's dressed, all that us. The real us. To really know us and love us. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, to be loved but not known is comforting, but it's superficial, right? We see that all the time and. You know, when you're in high school, you're friends with everybody, but they don't know you, right? To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved, well, he says it's a lot like being loved by God. It's what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. That's what we have in Jesus through the gospel. A love that knows us and sees us and forgives us and welcomes us home. The way we walk in the spirit and say no to the flesh and this world is God's love for us. Abiding in that. John 15, Jesus says, abide in me and you'll bear fruit. Abide in me. Make your home in me. Preach the gospel to yourself daily. Understand the love I have for you. How do we know God loves us? How do we know? Well, let's look at Scripture. John three sixteen through 18 says, For God loved the world, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. Look at the heartbeat of God in this passage. Look at the heartbeat. God loved. It was original with God. God set his love on us. We didn't muster up something and say, God, here's what I can bring. And he's like, all right, that's enough. I'll love you. Don't you see it? God loves us, the heartbeat, the compassion that He has for us. He sees what's going down the line. He sees that our sin, that he can rightfully, justfully punish us for an eternity in hell. And he says, I love them. And so he sends his best. He sends his son. And we think, well, maybe, maybe, maybe we just brought something, a little bit. Well, let's read. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, For a while we were still weak. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. Listen to this. But God shows his love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you make your home in that phrase, you brought nothing but sin. And you were an enemy of God. And God loved you. If you rest on that and you rest on the gospel, that's going to start changing things in your life. It's going to change perspective, motives, attitudes. You know, I'm one of three children in my family. My dad, he's an insurance agent. He's retired now. My mom had stayed at home with us growing up and uh, we were not a perfect family at all. So I'll start there. Um, We had our fights and struggles like all families do. But one thing I never doubted ever was that my parents loved me. They proved their love to me time and time again. They, they, they would give me presents. or They would put my needs before their needs. They would take me to the doctor. They would take me to school. They would buy me gifts. They would tell me they loved me. They were there uh, at my games, and they were there to encourage me. We weren't perfect, but there were tons of love in my family. Now, no one ever told me that I needed to love my parents back. I never sat down with my parents as a four-year-old And signed a contract. So here's the deal. We're going to do this for you, Ben. And you're going to do this. Here's a crayon. Please sign this. Right? You love me back because we love you. Right? No. I didn't do that. When I started to understand my parents' love for me, I started to naturally start loving them back. It came natural. I started to care for them because they cared for me. I started to reflect back the love that they had for me. Now because of that love for me, I love them back. Which means I'll go and help them, I'll do whatever they need. If my parents called me right now, I would leave and go, of course, because I love them. But it never started with me, it was a reflection back to the love they had for me when I came into this world. You see, this is the kind of love Jesus is like and has for us. We love Jesus, we love Christ, not because we have to work for it. Not because we signed a contract, or even said a prayer... Love for Jesus comes in a response back to His love for you. Let me say that again. Love for Jesus comes in a response back for His love for you. We're just a mirror reflecting back what He's done for us and given us. You see, love for God is just a reflection back to Him. For the love that originated in Him for us. 1 John 4.19 says it this way. We love because He first loved us. So how we live for Jesus and choose Him over the flesh, the things of this earth, the temporary pleasures, is we start to remember God's love for us. We remember that our sin, that our rule breaking, that our humanity had sent us down a road that was going to lead to eternal punishment. That we as humans, we kept choosing to be God. We want to be God. We want to call the shots, God. And God could have rightfully said, I, I created you and you turned against me and so I'm going to punish you forever. And that's just... Because we sinned against Him, but He says, no, I'm going to have mercy and I'm going to have grace. And instead of God punishing us for all eternity in hell, where we deserve, God our Creator who loved us chooses to love and forgive all that come to Him through Christ. And Jesus comes into this world. Jesus lives the perfect life. Jesus lives according to the law which we see in Leviticus in the Old Testament. He does it perfectly in our place. And then He goes to the cross And then He dies for our sin. And those that come to Him, He gives His perfect life to them. That's what changes you. When you put your hope in the gospel and God's love on display, that's what changes your attitude towards God. That's what changes your attitude towards self. When you remember the gospel and make your home in it. Let me give you some practical ways... Remember God's love for us. When we want to choose self, we remember Jesus' mindset towards us. That instead of coming down and saying, I'm God, you follow me, he says he came in the form of a servant. So we serve because he serves us. When you are at work and you uh, maybe rightfully have anger towards somebody and you're ready to give it to them because they made a mistake, you remember the gospel that God could have unleashed justice and anger on you, but instead gave you Christ and forgiveness. When you want to quit on your marriage because your partner is so selfish, you remember the gospel and that Jesus served you when you were his enemy and you allow grace and love to fill your heart to choose to serve Christ and your spouse. When you want to give up because you feel that life is overwhelming, that your depression, that your anxiety and fear just will never go away, you remember the gospel that God saw you and he loved you and he gave his best and his son to buy you back for eternity and that your worth is not in your sins or success but is in the cross of Christ so how do we respond to that living for eternity starts with remembering the gospel remembering God's love remembering that we're made for eternity not only do we deny ourselves and remember the gospel we think about how this earth is so short how the time on this earth is so short and heaven is the goal. When we think about time, the Bible tells us some interesting things. Psalms 90:12 says, Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. The Bible says that we need to think with wisdom according to time. We need to think with wisdom according to our days here on the earth. Let's practically break that down. Here's what it practically means. It means that you have a certain number... That's a sign to a certain thing. And that's how many times you'll be able to do that. Think about this. You'll only work so long on this earth. you think, well, I, I feel like I'm going to work for eternity. I, I get it. No. But there's a number. Right? Could be retirement. Could be earlier. You'll only have kids for a certain time in this life. They'll only be young once. You will only be young for a certain time in life. Everything in life has an expiration date. And the crazy, sort of sad thing is, is most of the time, you don't know when that last time will be. When will be the last time your kids want you to tell them a bedtime story? When will be the last time you talk to your dad or mom in this life? When is the last time you say goodbye to that loved one? When you look at your days from the perspective, you get how quickly and fragile life really is. Not only is life short, but it's also unpredictable. You can exercise, eat well, be vegan, count calories, but life is fragile. And something that can change very quickly, James 4 speaks to this. It says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him and his sin. Two things I want you to take out of this verse life is short. And don't delay being obedient to Christ. You see, the scripture tells us to live for Jesus now. Don't delay because you don't know when the last day on this earth will be. Second Peter talks about this in second Peter three ten through fourteen it says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. The Bible tells us that heaven is coming fast. Over and over in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, you just see this urgency. He's coming back, he's coming back. I remember, you know, in Acts, the disciples, it's kind of like Jesus, like. Like goes to heaven and the angels come. Sounds like all right. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's get busy. Come on. You don't know when he's come back. They, there's just this urgency. Even Paul feels it's like I don't know when. I don't know when. And sometimes we've lost that urgency. It was like, oh, I don't think it, I don't know. It, it'd be a long time. But the Bible says, don't waste your time. Spend things. Spend your time on things that matter. Spend them on eternal things. So, what does living for Christ look like? Let's say it right here, specifically at Schindler. What does it look like to live out the Great Commission? What does it look like? Jesus told us in Matthew 28, this is what he told us to do as believers. He says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You say, Well, I, I, don't, I don't know how to make disciples. I don't, what does that look like? What is, it, what is Jesus saying here? Listen, here at Schindler, we have Bible Connect groups where it personalizes that we can show you how to teach people and how to make disciples. We have discipleship groups that you can get involved in. And we meet all over. We have opportunities to serve in our church and get connected. We have children ministries and youth ministries that can help you lead your family and make disciples a key aspect of your home. Listen, my encouragement to you today is that if you call Schindler your church... Is to plug in. Plug in because we need you and you need us. Plug in, serve, tithe, go on mission trips. Give your life to be equipped by the church so you can go to your work, home, and your neighbor's house and make disciples for Christ and his name all over Jacksonville and the world. This is what it looks like to live for eternity. This is what it looks like. Spend your times on things that will last for eternity. Don't wait earth is temporary but heaven is eternal nobody gets to heaven and thinks man i wish i had more time to spend on myself nobody nobody spend your time on things that will last for eternity so my kids they're young i have three kids they're nine eight and seven calm the countdown imagine that we got in the car we're headed to disney world Disney World, where people travel thousands of miles to go take out their retirement and spend it all for one ticket to get in. Um, anyway, I'm not better. No, I'm not better. Uh, because it's the happiest place in the world. People travel everywhere to go to Disney World, right? They drive to Orlando, they drive all over to go to Orlando to, to go and experience Disney World. Now, I want you to imagine as we're on our way to Orlando, we, we see Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, and I mean, it's an okay place for fun, you know But it's nothing compared to Disney, right? And as we go by, they yell and scream Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese They want Chuck E. Cheese so bad I'm like, gosh, there's so much better coming Disney World's going to rock rock your world But they're like, Chuck E. Cheese And finally, as a dad, I don't know if you've ever been there I'm like, skirt, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese, right? Save me $2,000, right? And so we pull into Chuck E. Cheese And they have no idea what they gave up. Disney would have been mind-blowing compared to a rat with subpar pizza. (laughs) Am I lying? (laughs) They would have had an amazing time. It would have been the best time of their life. But instead, they couldn't wait to get there and they just settled for Chuck E. Cheese. We're like this as Christians sometimes we want our fun now we want our fun now make it about me fun now fun now so instead of being on mission for Christ instead of making disciples instead of sharing the gospel with others it's about me and my fun now so we settle we settle for something that is weak and not even comparable to what is coming We think we have YOLO and now we don't want to waste our life. But here's the deal, Christian believer, if you're here today. The earth is the battle zone, not the fun zone. In the book, what are you going to do with your life? J.D. Greer talks about this very thing. He says, I'll admit saying YOLO to myself when considering whether to go skydiving felt motivating. Making a bucket list of things I'd like to go and do before I die was a fun exercise. But does a bucket list even make sense for a Christian? How could it? YOLO is not true. He says, yeah, life is. You you actually live forever. Bucket lists are inappropriate for Christians, not because good Christians stay at home and settle for a safe, born life, it's just that we know that life on earth is not, not our only chance to experience what this world has to offer. He says, Scripture gives every indication that the new heavens and the new earth will contain better versions of anything in God's creation that we enjoy down here. Many people wrongly think of heaven as some ethereal life of leisure where saints sit around in diapers on colorless clouds with nerf bows and arrows, strumming their harps and sipping non-alcoholic pina coladas. We gather at least twice a day for choir practice, but that's our only real activity. The Bible describes something much differently. Though it leaves out some unsaid, what it does say, it indicates that the heaven is a reality that is more than, not less than, anything we experience on earth. Scholars say the new heaven and new earth is better read, renewed heaven and renewed earth. In other words, the new earth is not a replacement of the old but a renewed and restored version of it. Free from the curse of sin, supercharged with the glory of God. If we wait and pursue Christ, we have something so much more to look forward to that's going to last for eternity. God says it this way in the Bible. 1 Corinthians two nine. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, And what no human mind has conceived, the things God prepared for those who love him. I feel like God is like saying like, look, you're not going to understand if I try to tell you. Like you're not going to get it. It's like explaining geometry to a two-year-old. Like it's not going to go over. But listen, just trust me. Trust me when I say this. It's amazing. You can't even imagine how awesome it is. And just a word I want to give us here is, Christian that is in the trenches Christian that are serving Christian that are volunteering are serving are making disciples are loving Christ with their finances and everything they have God sees that and you'll be rewarded through eternity for that so keep going keep pressing on keep going this isn't the fun zone that comes later but God sees you and for those that are not plugged in man I encourage you is get in the game Get in the game. Man, you are made for this. If you're a believer, you are made for this. To be a part of the church and reaching people for the lost. How awesome is it to baptize people? Seeing going from death to life. His attorney at one time was hell. And now he's going to spend an attorney with heaven. That's amazing. And you get to be a part of it. God has chosen us as ambassadors to go in this world and spread the gospel to make his name great. And you get to be a part of it. How can we look at God and say, No thanks. No thanks. Something's on on Netflix. No thanks. I'm busy at work. No thanks. What are we doing? Don't be the guy that regrets it. Live in your life. Don't waste your life. Heaven has so much waiting on us. But you don't want to meet Christ and say that you tried to make your time on earth your heaven. That you wasted one life on earth that everything you do will be evaluated for these 50 or 80 years and you didn't do it. You pulled the Frank Sinatra, you did it your way. And you see the disappointment look on your Savior's face when he says, you wasted your life. I hope you have seen this morning that living your life on earth for yourself is foolish. That you are missing the reason that you were made to know Christ to know his love and to share Christ in his love. What is going on in your life that is making you forget what's really important? Whatever that is, maybe you need to walk away from it. Maybe you need to take a step back. Maybe it's work is work and you just can't got time. Maybe that's not the right job. What's your priority list look like? Where's Jesus come on that list? Ask real questions. Make hard choices. Pick up your cross and follow Christ. You say, well, it's not easy. Pick up your cross and follow Christ. What is going on that is making you think this earth is heaven when it's not? Maybe it's a sin. Maybe sin is blinding you to the truth. Man, repent. Come to the Lord. Ask for forgiveness. He died for it. He wants to forgive you. You say, well, I can't get through it. Let the church body come alongside you. Let's do war together. Let's take each other's burdens together and do war together against your sin and your brokenness. My sin and my brokenness. What sin is there in your life? How do you need to adjust your priorities? But if you're here today and you've never asked Christ, accepted Him as your Savior, you've never turned from your sin, man, you can do that today. You can have heaven today. You can have the love of Christ today. If you come and you say, Lord, I'm a sinner, I'm broken, and I ask that you forgive me and I put my faith that you died for me. And God will forgive you and he'll bring you into his family and he'll start a work that he'll start here and will continue millions and millions and millions of years later. You can do that this morning. I'll be down front or Brandon will be down front. But listen, what is God speaking to you about this morning? Go ahead and close your eyes and pray.